Thank you. Thanks, everyone. It's really cool to be here in the morning. I must say, it's really bright, so bear with me. I'm not used to this. Um, but um, I probably haven't been in a, a full-on morning meeting for almost two years now. I'm sorry, I haven't been to visit. But it is really good um, to be here at the moment. Great things are happening in Manchester evening. We're having a whale of a time. It's really good just to be part um, you know, of a community of communities, and it's great, um, like Dave was encouraging us, when we planned out, um, just to see amazing things happen, especially when you go out into a smaller group and get to know people better, and opportunities arise, and it's just really exciting, and I'm really glad to be part of a church that doesn't, doesn't just um, do what's comfortable, or do what's necessarily deemed ordinary, or just go along with the flow, but I'm really privileged to be part of the church that steps out, that pushes the boundaries, that dares to try new things, that dares to take God at his word and say, God, if you're bringing a tsunami, if you're shaking things up, I want to be part of that. I want to step out. And that means I have to do something. That means I actually have to step out of my comfort zone and do something. I have to step out of where I ordinarily sit on a Sunday and do something so I can be part of what you're doing. And I'm really privileged to be part um, of a church that does that. So, but you know, it's human nature to want to try and fit in, um, not to stick out like a sore thumb, although some people kind of enjoy that, um, just for sake of it. But most of us don't want to draw too much attention to ourselves. Most of us would say, um, I just want to sort of make it by and, and be ordinary, you know. But what is ordinary, if I'm honest? Scripture and history is absolutely littered with people who stepped out, who did something unordinary because they believed in it so strongly that they were willing to risk their reputation. They were even willing to die for it. And that's how we're here right now. We have so many privileges, so many rights that we enjoy freely now, but it's because some people some time ago stepped out of their comfort zone and did something about it. They stepped out of the ordinary, out of what they knew, because they saw further than what was in the now. And they weren't thinking just about them, they were thinking about us. They were thinking about generations down the line. And the thing about reputation, so a reputation is um, the beliefs or opinions that are generally held about someone or something. So a reputation is basically just what people think about us. The thing about that is that um, it's based on what other people think. And also, a reputation is something we either intentionally or unintentionally build, but then it can be broken in a moment. Now, if I allow purely what other people think about me to determine how I live, then in that area of my life, I've ceased to, give, um, to, to, to allow Jesus to be Lord because he no longer um, leads. He no longer tells me who I am. I'm doing what I'm doing based on what other people think. So I've allowed other people to control who I am. Let's turn to 1 Peter in chapter 2. Verse Peter 2 and verse 12 says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of wrongdoing, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. 
So clearly God's bothered about how we behave. He's bothered about how we come across because he wants people to see our lives and give glory unto him. But then if we read a few verses previously, verse 9 to 10, um, it says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Once we were not a people, now we are. And then he goes on to say, live such good lives because you are a new creation, because of what Jesus has done, because he has come and changed my heart and given me a heart of flesh that causes me to follow his laws. Because I'm a new creation, my behavior flows from that. So it's not a, you know, trying to put on a facade and, and trying to behave like something is really tiring. And so many times we try to, whether it's to fit in or to stand out, whatever it is, we try to behave a certain way. But rather than behaving a certain way, scripture tells us who we are, so we're just supposed to be who we are, not try and behave like how we're supposed to behave, if that makes sense. So we are a new creation. We are called out. We are set apart. We are not ordinary. That's who we are. We're not walking around trying to act like wackos, even though sometimes it looks like that. We're not trying to behave that way. That's just who we are because we are a new creation. And you know, so this whole transformation from the inside out is what made the Sermon on the Mount so pivotal. Because Jesus came and he sort of took it beyond just do not murder, do not hate, do not um, commit adultery. But he pointed to the condition of our heart and what was going on in the inside. So he said, if you even look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery in your heart. If you're angry with someone, you're guilty of condemnation as if murder. He went beyond just the outward appearance and what we seem to be doing and how we seem to be living to what's actually going on in the inside. He wants our behavior to reflect him, but that happens when we realize and understand who we are and live as who we actually are and stop trying to dumb it down or pretend or be ashamed of the power that lives inside of us, of the confidence and the courage that we have to make a difference because each and every single person in here can make a difference because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. So stop dumbing him down. When I behave in a way just to keep my reputation, all I'm doing is pointing people to me. If I behave in a way I want to seem nice, I want to seem clever, I want to seem articulate, all I'm doing is pointing you to me. When I live conscious of Jesus and his lordship, I point people to him. And that's how I want to live. I don't want to live trying to keep up appearances and make you think I'm all absolutely wonderful. I do think I'm wonderful because I'm a daughter of the king, but... When I behave, um, when I live knowing who I am as the daughter of the king, my behavior moves in response to that and it glorifies my father in heaven. And sometimes, you know, when we, when we try to change and behave according to what's acceptable in this world or what's normal or what's, you know, we, we stop living as the aliens we are because after all, we are not of this world. So why don't you turn to someone next to you and say, I'm an alien. <laughs> Toy and sang it, didn't you? Good job, good job. Yeah. We are not of this world. God chose Israel not because they were an absolutely fantastic, great nation, 
But because he loved them and that he promised that through them, he gave a promise to Abraham that through them, all the earth would be blessed. He called the people to himself. Exodus 19 and verse 6 says, And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So Israel was called out to live differently to the people around them. And God repeats the same promise to us, just as we've read in 1 Peter chapter 2, we are a chosen people, a holy priesthood, that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his glorious light. But see, what the Israelites decided to do was we don't want to be different. We want to be just like everyone else around us. We don't want to stick out like a sore and we don't want to be called names. So we just want to be like everyone else. And they started whoring after their gods and they demanded for a king. Samuel, give us a king so we can be just like all the other nations. And God was upset because he was their king. They already had a king and that was God in their midst. But no, Israel decided they wanted to be just like everyone else. And you know, sometimes when we don't fully grasp who we are, we can be just like that. We want to be just like everyone else, but that's not who we are. The same way Israel standing out from the crowd was them being missional and pointing to God as the one true God is the same way when we stand out from the crowd and be who we really are, we're pointing to the one true God. We are being missional. Let's turn to John 17 and verse 14. John 17 and 14. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. This is Jesus praying, Jesus speaking. We are not of the world any more than he is of the world. And the world here means, is the, the Greek word cosmos, which means an order, a way of doing things. So the order of the world, which is outside of the ways of God and, and living in rebellion and rejection and from the lordship of Jesus. And so we live in this tension. The reason it's difficult, the reason there is a struggle is because we're not from this world. But Jesus, um, he so loved the world, God so loved the world that he stepped in as a human being into the tension into the friction, into the rejection. He stepped in and he died and he rose again so that we could come and we could be saved and we could live in him. And in the same way he was sent into the world full of friction, full of opposition, is the same way we are sent into our world full of opposition, full of friction, full of tension. But he prays, Jesus says, I don't want you, Father, to take them out of the world, but I want you to keep them there and bless them and let them live as a light in the world. If there was no tension, if there was no friction, then technically we'd just be of the world, but we're not. So the fact that there's tension, the fact that there's friction is a good thing. And that all the more calls us to be who we really are and not cave to try and behave um, like the world around us. Jesus stepped into our time frame. He looked just like us, but he was so countercultural. He flipped everything upside down. He said, you know, pray for those who persecute you. If someone slaps you, turn the other cheek and don't store up treasures on here. It's all about eternity. And he completely flipped everything around. He changed people's ways of thinking. He was countercultural. And we're not going to change the world if we're too busy trying to behave like it. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying um, let's all get really crazy and wacky and just do random things for the sake of it. Because we are human and there are lots of things that we like to do, human things to do. 
But you get the heart of what I'm saying, is that there is a way of living that seems ordinary to the world. That is not our way of life. We do not live in a realm of just natural possibilities. We come from heaven. Our citizenship is heaven. Philippians 3, verse 20. Let's look at that. Philippians 3 and verse 20. Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. This is who we are, citizens of heaven. Citizens of heaven do not just behave like citizens of earth. We are different. We're from a different place. We are aliens and there's a freedom and there's a liberty when we just allow ourselves to be who we really are and we groan and we eagerly await for the time when Jesus comes and makes everything new because we do we we know of the kingdom we know of the goodness of God we know there's meant to be no pain and no suffering and we really want that to come but Jesus said we're in this period where the kingdom is here it's now but it's not yet it's still coming and he says and he, he, he leaves us his Holy Spirit and he says I'm coming back and while I'm gone, you go and further the kingdom. You go cast out demons. You go heal the sick. You go pray for people. This is what I've called you to do right now while you're waiting. In this, you're not waiting as though we're helpless, waiting to be rescued. We have been rescued already. Now we're going out rescuing other people. We're rescuing the whole of creation. And that's what we're doing in this time frame. And so because we know he's coming back, like Richard preached in during the series, because we know he's coming back, we live differently. We live differently, we further the kingdom, and that's who we're called to be. So with regards to how I come across to other people, my, my concern is not how good I look, but my concern is, is for the people around me. My concern, therefore, in living under the lordship of Jesus, in wanting to show love, in wanting to see other people blessed, is not for my sake, it's for their sake. People in love do crazy things now, like build Taj Mahals or whatever, to buildings for the people they love. Um, but even as parents, you know, I've seen parents who really love their kids and sometimes they sort of go without the nicest things just so their kids can. And at that point in time, the mum and dad is not necessarily thinking about how great they look. They just want the best for their child. When the gentleman does the most elaborate proposal you could ever think of, and uh, you know, he's not thinking about how crazy he looks or you know, the fire has, you see when people like tea, tea light candles to like propose to someone and I'm just thinking, fire hazard, that's not cool, it's not safe. <laughs> but at that point in time, they're probably not thinking fire hazard, they're thinking, I love this person so much, I just want to show them, marry me. Um, but yeah, people who are in love do absolutely crazy things and um, we love God because he first loved us and when we are in love with him, the more we fall in love with him, the more radical we become, the more head over heels we become, the more what we do for him and from a place of love becomes, I don't, know, I don't longer care how I, what I look like. I don't care about what, because all I care about is the one I love. All I care about is you, my Lord, the one I love. Jesus loved us so much, he didn't care about his reputation. He didn't care about his reputation, he didn't care about his life because he gave it away. And if he hadn't have done that, we wouldn't be living in the eternity that we are now, living, living an eternal life towards eternity. He didn't care about his reputation. He cared about us so much more. So who are we 
to get so overworked and put our reputations on a pedestal as though it's something to work towards, something that can be destroyed just like that. We're called to so much more, so much greater. We're called to live from a place of intimacy, loving him, empowered by his spirit to know the fullness of God because when we understand his love, we're filled with the fullness of God. And so his love for us becomes our confidence. Knowing that I'm loved by God makes me absolutely fearless because he's given me a spirit of of power and of love and of sound mind. And that doesn't mean that I don't get scared sometimes. It doesn't mean that when he asks me to pray for someone or asks me to share something with someone, I don't get afraid. Um, I mean... There was a, a, a gentleman who I worked with, and in, like, he, he really, really, really used to annoy me. Now, this doesn't happen a lot. I'm quite, I don't know, tolerant, whatever. But he really annoyed me. You know, just he would walk into the room. You wouldn't have to say anything. I'd just be like, ah, I just don't like you. And I remember thinking, God, this, this isn't right. This, no, no, you know. Because sometimes it's sort of, oh, I cannot like one or two people. Surely it's okay. No, actually. I'm like, it's, I don't have to be best friends with him, but God, I don't like the way I'm feeling towards him. Help me. And he prayed and prayed. And, and eventually one day it was like this, my heart just broke for this young lad. It just, and, and, and liquid love, it was so warm. And it was just, all of a sudden it was like, he could say the stupidest things. And I was like, oh, okay be who you are there's freedom and that was purely holy spirit because i was struggling in and of myself and there came a moment and it was just the two of us on a shift one time and i was like my god give me a word for this guy because i know you love him and 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 i started and i just went for it it just was like i think there was like an hour okay so it's like the last hour of work and it just went quiet now that doesn't happen all the time i work in a pharmacy the last hour just went dead there were no customers no patients and then our other colleague was like oh, i'm gonna go take a break so i was thinking okay god right this this is you and i just i just looked at him dead in the eye and i went you know jesus is pursuing you and he loves you and you know sometimes you hide behind a wall of fear but i know it's just a front and he really loves you come to the alpha course and he did like he did. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> I know. I was really scared in that moment. I didn't know what was going to happen. But I thought, you know what? God, you love him so much for me to get in the way just because I'm afraid of how I'm going to look like. To stop him from knowing your love, knowing the love that I know of God, the freedom that I know. I don't want my reputation or how I look to, to get in the way of that. He came and he's still on a journey. He's, he's not saved yet, but he, he came. He came for the full alpha course. And now you can really see the difference, but keep praying. But um, yeah, still praying for him. And you know, we don't like rejection, do we? we rejection, it, it doesn't feel nice. Um, There's another incident at work, and I was praying for some people, and I was like, okay, I'll pray for these, these few lads. And I asked them to pray for them. And they said no. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I thought, you know, no, persistence. People say no, you keep going. But then I sort of crossed the boundary, and I sort of, I sort of accused them of being afraid of prayer. I know, it's not good, it's male ego, but anyway. Um, but this guy, sort of, I thought he was going to hit me. He turned around, what do you mean I'm afraid? Who are you? I was like, I'm really sorry. I thought like he was going to go tell the manager and I was going to get like fired for like, I don't know, spiritual harassment, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> These things happen. I was really scared. But you know, I ran away, I ran away from that situation. I was like, God, I'm never doing that again. I'm never praying for anyone. It hurts. They said no. They rejected me. Why? It's too hard. 
And I sat there, and in, in like a few seconds, I felt Jesus say, I know exactly how you feel. I've been there before. I know exactly what rejection feels like, Lukundo. I was naked on a cross, dripping with blood. I know exactly how rejection feels, so I know how you feel. And in a split second, there was joy. So in that moment, I felt Jesus taught me, share in my suffering. In that moment, you were sharing in my suffering. And in a split second, I shared in his joy. And I felt felt so overwhelmed with joy, and I thought, wow, it's so worth it, even though I felt horrible in a moment. And you know, I sat there just for a while, and I thought, okay, and I got myself together, and the next person I prayed for was healed of back pain. And so it could have stayed in that point of rejection and thought, oh no, it's, you know, but Jesus empowers us because he loves us, and we're full of his Holy Spirit. Being born again in itself is completely supernatural. There is nothing natural about saying I have a new heart, made of flesh, I have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me. So we are supernatural. Say to the person next to you, you are supernatural. We are supernatural. And the thing about it is that we, sometimes we forget. It's like, I come to Jesus, I get born again. That I can handle, because, you know, somehow. They're filled with the Spirit. Okay, speaking in tongues, it might take me away. Okay. Heal the sick, what the heck? No, that's just weird. Like, it's okay if, if, if you know, the Holy Spirit, save me, Jesus, that, that supernatural bit is okay. But raise the dead, no, no, no. It's the same spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. That is no more supernatural than me being born again. So we are supernatural. Let's look at 2 Kings, verse 6, 17 to 18. Because it's so easy, isn't it, for us when we go into situations to, to automatically go to the normal solution or the natural solution or the, something that seems practical. But in 2 Kings 6.17, and, um, Elisha prayed for his servant, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the, opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down towards him, Elisha prayed, Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. God, would you open our eyes to the supernatural? Would you open our eyes to know who we are and that when we walk, when we walk into the room, the dead begin to rise. Hopeless situations <laughs> cease to exist. When you walk into work, when you walk into school, when you walk into wherever it is, hopeless situations cease to exist because of who you are. Do not dumb it down. When we, when we pray in tongues, we speak mysteries. We don't know what we're saying, but something is going on. And there's power, in, in a, it awakens us to our real identity, our spiritual sons and daughters. And you know, we, we, we had that period of fasting um, just a while back. And it was so, you know, after it's like, right, I can get back to normal now. I can get back to, I don't know, watching TV or eating whatever I like. And just, I don't know about you, but sometimes after period, I feel like I can touch this. So I feel, I feel safe because I can touch it. But we're spiritual beings. We are supernatural. We're not supposed to cling to the things we can touch. There is so much more for us. There is so much more that we can experience and walk into when we stop just trying to be normal and wake up to the reality of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. It could be as tiny as, I don't know, we have a situation at work, God, what do we do? As opposed to panicking, and I've had times like that several times, Holy Spirit, what's the solution to this? And it comes in a moment, and it's like, wow, I didn't have to 
naturally just run to, and, and physical situations can be good, physical solutions can be good, but learning to actually go to God first and be like, actually, I have the Holy Spirit inside me. What are you saying about this, Lord? What can happen? I want to give you an opportunity and a space to show up. That's why we have the prayer banner. We never want to gather without giving God the opportunity and the space to show up. That's why we give so much room in worship. We give room in our meetings because we want God the opportunity to show up. You know, even in the Old Testament, um, he, he called them out to live differently so that the people around would see the way they live. But he also showed up in the supernatural. He showed up when he parted the waters. He showed up when he sent fire on altars that were dripping wet. God showed up when he sent plagues. He showed up in absolutely powerful ways. And that was under the old covenant. We live in a greater covenant. So let's begin to expect the unexpected. I think that word came yesterday, empowered actually. Expect the unexpected. Let's begin to take God out of the small boxes that we put him in and dare to believe that he wants to do absolutely amazing things inside of us. I'm just going to read these few scriptures quickly. You can turn if you want to, but 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Romans 15, 17 to 19. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in, the leading, in leading the Gentiles to obey God. By what I have said and by what I have done, by the power of signs and wonders through the Spirit of God, so from Jerusalem and all the way to Elycrium, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of God. Paul fully proclaimed the gospel of God by what he said and what he did in the power of God. Mark 16, 20, then the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. We wanna give God opportunity wherever we are in any scenario. We wanna let the Holy Spirit break out of us, break out and change situations around us. John Piper in his book, Don't Waste Your Life, says this, I am wired by nature to love the same toys that the world loves. I start to fit in. I start to love what others love. I start to call the earth home. Before you know it, I'm calling luxuries needs and using my money just the way unbelievers do. I begin to forget the war. I don't think much about people perishing. Missions and unreached people drop out of my mind. I stop dreaming about the triumphs of grace. I sink into a secular mindset that looks first to what man can do, not to what God can do. It's a terrible sickness. And I thank God for those who have forced me again and again towards a wartime mindset. You know, we wanna be a people um, who are not sunk into a secular mindset, who don't think first to what man can do, but first to what God can do, who look to who God is in us, who stop trying to cover up just so that we can fit in, just so we can be accepted. Because, see, the lie of the enemy is that acceptance comes when you try to fit in. True belonging doesn't come when you fit in. Me and my brother and my sister are completely different. We belong to the same family. We all belong, even though we're different. Acceptance and belonging does not come um, from trying to look like everyone else. Be who you've, God has called you to be, who he's made you to be, with the giftings that he's placed inside of you. 
And as we do this, and, and I'm going to read the, the message um, translation of Romans 12, just to finish, um, verse 1 to 2. Because we're transformed in our thinking, aren't we? When, we? when we think differently, we change our mind, we are transformed. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Just like Mike said. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-founded maturity in you. We can do ordinary things in extraordinary ways. We can live to the fullest of what God has called for us to do when we wake up to our true identity and do not succumb to the fear of trying to fit in because you know, we're not so ordinary after all. Amen. Thank you.